You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 670 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live from State Farm Arena in the aftermath of what became a 104-79 victory for the Hawks, their first win in a long time. They had lost 10 games in a row, um, and as we'll get into here, the Hawks were supposed to win this game, and they held serve, so credit to them for doing just that. Before we get to the game itself, a couple of uh, minor notes from before tip-off. Cam Reddish had an MRI on his wrist on Monday morning, and that was according to Lloyd Pierce via Sarah Spencer of the AJC. Um, but apparently that was clean because uh, Reddish came back and played in this game. He was questionable early on, but actually played a pretty big role in this contest. So it looks to be all good there on the injury front when it came to Reddish. Um, also, Alan Crabb missed this game with flu-like symptoms, and that led to a decision to start down the memory. Lloyd Pierce, uh, I actually asked him about that decision before the game. Um, he basically alluded to the fact that Crab started the last time without Cam Reddish, and they basically decided to start Bembry once it became clear that Crab was not going to play because they did not know if Reddish was going to be able to play. I'm not sure if that's going to be a long-term thing. Obviously, it quote-unquote worked in this game. Um, I would not be surprised at all to see Reddish back in there on Wednesday, given that he's now apparently full go, but um, we'll see how that goes. Pierce, of course, is famously opposed to starting Bembry whenever possible, so maybe they'll go back to Reddish on Wednesday, but uh, that, that is what happened in this game. Um, elsewhere, um, I guess to set the stage a little bit for what happened in this game, the Hawks were a six and a half point favorite over the Warriors. That was the first time all season long, as we uh, sort of guessed previously, the Hawks were favored in this game. It was the first time all season long they were. There was one game earlier against Chicago on November 6th in which the Hawks were a pick 'em or a toss up if you're not a huge gambling person. But the Hawks were favored in this game pretty decisively. Um, to set the stage a little bit here, again, um, a pretty much ideal spot for any NBA team is playing the Warriors right now. Um, with all of their injuries. Also, Draymond Green did not play in this game to go along with Angelo Russell, and of course, Stephen Clay did not play. Throw in a second night of the back-to-back for Golden State, both on the road with travel, and the Hawks did not play yesterday, and the uh, sort of everything you could possibly ask for to be in an advantageous situation for Atlanta was in place in this game. So that kind of led to the Hawks being expected to win this contest. Actually, the game opened as about a four-and-a-half-point favorite, moved all the way up to six-and-a-half to sort of indicate that a lot of people that had the money in Las Vegas were actually backing the Hawks in this game, and they were right to do so because Atlanta was the better team in this spot. We'll talk about that as we get going here, but that is all that. Also, the other thing that happened in this game was the, the return of Amari Spellman to Atlanta. I thought it was a pretty candid and interesting interview from Anthony Slater um, of The Athletic. That's, of course, behind the paywall, but um, Amari was pretty candid and talking about how um, kind of a mess he was off the court last season. That's nothing hugely game-breaking when talking about all the stuff that's been reported at this point in time, but Spellman went out of his way to say basically that, that it wasn't the Hawks' fault, that the Hawks did everything that, that they possibly could have done to reach out to him to try to help him. Nothing really worked, and he had some issues um, just kind of running with the wrong crowd in Atlanta and two on top of everything else. So uh, that's worth a read if you have the subscription to The Athletic. I would definitely recommend it. Um, but, you know, Spellman came back in this game. The first time he was greeted, um, I guess, pretty warmly, I would say, by, by by the local crowd, not too much venom going in his direction in that spot, and now that is all over. All over. Also, Damian Jones played against his old team. And of course, he was swapped for Amari Spellman, and also with a draft pick attached to him, and Damian actually played quite well in this game, as we'll talk about in a second. So, um, 
I guess to the big picture stuff from this game, um, I guess the first thing to say, I had this written down, so I'm going to say it now. The Hawks allowed 81 points in the first half against the Rockets on Saturday. In this game, they allowed 79 points in all 48 minutes. Now, it can't get more, uh, I guess, diametrically opposite than the Houston offense versus what the Golden State offense is right now. But at the same time, um, yeah, still worth noting the defense was much, much better in this game, and that sort of sets the stage for everything going on here. The Warriors started with a no-point guard lineup, also had two centers to start this game. They started with Kevon Looney at the four, and Alec Burks as the nominal point guard. That is a really bad offensive lineup to set the tone for what Golden State was going to have on the floor throughout this game. They did play Kai Bowman 37 minutes, so they did play a point guard for most of the night. But uh, the shorthanded roster for the Warriors can't be overstated. They, play, they played nine players. That was all they had available in this game. That included one point guard, um, really only two shooting guards. The second one being Jordan Poole, who is not really very close to being an NBA player right now. I'm a, I'm a Michigan guy, so I saw a lot of Jordan Poole um, last season. He is not one of the better players in the league right now. Um, just a lot of weird roster stuff here, and also Kevon Looney's first game back since October. So uh, a comically weak roster for the Warriors definitely shined through in this game. Um, early on, though, the Hawks did uh, play reasonably well just to keep things close because offensively they, just, they, could have, they had nothing going in the early going because they were 2 of 8 from the floor and 0 of 3 from 3. The Warriors were blitzing and trapping Trey Young, forcing a timeout actually at, with, with a trap at midcourt. Um, one, one rotational change that I wanted to mention is that Alex Len came in before Bruno Fernando. He actually played more than Fernando did, Fernando did in this game. Uh, Jones did have it going to a certain extent, and we'll talk about him more later. Um, but it was definitely Len as the primary backup center, which is a little bit of a slight change from the way that it's been the last week or two. Um, a nice little stretch there uh, to make things interesting at the end of the first quarter for the Hawks, but still went into the... I guess the break between the first and second quarters down by three points. The Warriors were 9 of 23 from the floor in the first quarter and actually winning because the Hawks were 7 of 19 and 0 of 6 from three with five turnovers in the first quarter. Mercifully, the Hawks did not um, have that still happening the rest of the game because uh, defensively they held up against the bad Warriors offense, but offensively they did come on a little bit. The first little run finally came in the second quarter with DeAndre Hunter scoring seven straight points on a mid-range jump shot, a three, and then a pair of free throws. Hunter on his birthday, by the way, a 22nd birthday, so happy birthday to DeAndre Hunter. Uh, had a nice game here. That was a nice big stretch to uh, key a 12-4 opening uh, sort of overall run to give the Hawks a lead that they would actually never give back throughout the contest. Later in the first half, a, no a separate 12-2 run that included threes from Vince Carter, Troy Young, and then Hunter again to go up by 11. The Hawks, Hawks led, led by 9 at the half. The Warriors did not make a single three in the first half of this game, which is pretty jarring for an NBA game at this point in time. Only made three the entire game. Uh, you know, that kind of speaks for itself. The combination of Hunter... Jabari Parker and Trey Young had 25 points combined in the in the second quarter alone. Um, at the half, the Hawks um, had a 104, oh, sorry, a 105 offensive rating, which is actually um, you know not terrible, but not in, not incredibly great either. But the defense stepped up with an 86 defensive rating, and for the game, by the way, spoiler alert, it was about 84.5 defensive rating. That's going to win you a lot of games. Um, after the half. Things got pretty breezy in a hurry for Atlanta. A 7-2 run um, keyed by Damian Jones on the glass in the early going of the third quarter um, to take a 14-point lead. And then uh, from that point forward, it was pretty much all Hawks still. Another 10-0 run to basically seal the outcome that was uh, capped by threes from Cam Reddish and Vince Carter taking a, their largest lead of the game at that point in time at 76-53. And uh, 
with 23-point lead and the way that the Warriors were scoring, or not scoring, I should say, um, the game was pretty much over at that point in time. The Warriors did not score for the final four minutes and 21 seconds of the third quarter. That is uh, ghastly, of course. They also had 20 turnovers through three quarters, and uh, the game was effectively over at that point. In the fourth, there really was no run to speak of. Most of the time, uh, in a blowout of this kind of magnitude, the visiting team or the trailing team will make some sort of push. It never really happened. The Hawks led by as many as 28 points on the way to the 25-point victory, and not too much to talk about from the fourth quarter other than DeAndre Hunter left this game in the fourth quarter. That was the one thing that was unfortunate about this contest, honestly, in the overall sense was that Hunter was, uh, went straight to the locker room with what was later diagnosed as a dislocated right index finger. Uh, he seemed pretty upbeat about it after the game, um, giving some interesting answers, not, not necessarily ruling himself in or out for Wednesday. Um, Lloyd Pierce also did not seem to be terribly worried about it with the x-rays being negative. Um, that was one thing that I wanted to say about this is that you know Hunter, Hunter could miss Wednesday. That would not be a surprise to me. But big picture, they seem to have, have, have avoided disaster. Pierce was talking about it being sort of a jam finger and, and how light the, lo- the locker room mood was after the game. Sometimes just because of the wind, but also he met, he mentioned Hunter sort of unsolicited a couple different times. So it doesn't seem like anybody's terribly worried about that. But anytime you have an injury that, ca- that causes a guy to leave the game, you have to circle that and come back. And we'll see how the swelling or anything like anything like that goes goes uh, for the rest of the week. The Hawks will practice on Tuesday. We'll probably get some sort of update at that point in time. But other than that, it was all positive in this game for the Hawks. Um, I will say offensively in this game, the numbers look pretty good at the end of the day and a 111 offensive rating. A lot of that is buoyed by the free throw line and also the fact that the uh, Warriors are bad on defense. After the first quarter, though, the numbers were pretty good for Atlanta. I do, you know, I'm tempted to say with a big caveat here that the Warriors as currently constructed, are really bad defensively. You know, without Draymond Green, this is a team that was already a bottom three defense in the league right now um, for the full season with Draymond available for much of the year. Um, take him off the court and then give him the rest of the guys that were available for the Warriors in this game. And I have to tell you that the Warriors defense is not very good. So it is worth noting that in the back of your head we're talking about the offensive rating stuff for the Hawks, but still a 111 offensive rating for the game is more than acceptable for the Hawks, um, and it took care of business in a big way. It wasn't always pretty. In fact, this game was pretty hideous to watch. Um, obviously, if you're a Hawks fan, you're probably pleased with it because it, it was a comfortable win, but as a as an objective observer, it was not a fun, entertaining game for the most part. The Hawks did win, so that's good. Of course, they played better than the other team did, but uh, you know, especially the first half, I thought was just really kind of a slog to watch, and the Warriors scored 30 points combined in the second and third quarters. Yeah. That speaks for itself. Uh, to the defense for the Hawks, an 84.5 defensive rating. Definitely the best of the season for Atlanta. Again, just like the offensive side of the ball, the defense is greatly, greatly aided here by the Warriors being pretty much incompetent offensively. The only guy I would say had a good offensive game for the Warriors was, was Eric Paschal, who had 24 points on 11 shot attempts. Kai Boma was okay off the bench uh, as a point guard for the Warriors, but not too much else going on there. There were 3 of 17 from 3. They shot 40% from the floor, and they had 25 turnovers as opposed to only 17 assists. So, yeah, not too much going on there. Um, you know, Again, credit to the Hawks for, for executing in the way that they had to in order to get this win because you know they should have won this game. They had the talent advantage. They had um, the rest advantage, et cetera, et cetera. But you still have to go out and win it. Lloyd Pierce praised their competitive spirit in this game. You know, I got the feeling, and I think I agree with him on this, I don't think that Pierce was necessarily overall impressed with the way the Hawks played and executed um, throughout this contest. They didn't shoot the lights out. They didn't play incredible offensively. Defensively, it was pretty good, but nothing like incredible here. But Pierce did, and it was obviously happy with the way they competed and the, uh, the sort of spirit. Spirit was the word that he used the most in the post-game press conference. So good to see them get a little bit of their mojo back in a taking care of business kind of win. Okay, with all that said, we will get to the individual portion of this podcast right after a break from our sponsors. 
All right, we're back to talk about the individual players in this game. Um, to the bench we go first. Uh, every active player other than Chandler Parsons appeared in this game. Brandon Goodwin played two minutes. He was actually recalled early in the day on Monday for some insurance, I guess, because College Park is very easy to get to. And Goodwin was not going to play in, in this game if it was close, but he got in for the last two minutes and didn't do too much there. Um, Bruno Fernando, as I said before, did not play a whole lot. Seven minutes for Bruno. He did play a little bit in the competitive portion, but uh, clearly was uh, the, the third center and really not even that in this game in terms of just being a rotation and kind of wasn't really involved. Seven minutes, over from the floor, one rebound, one assist for Bruno, but a pretty quiet night. And honestly, that was probably the right way to approach this game because if you're trying to win it, uh, sort of des a desperate spot. Um, Jones was playing well and so was Len, so didn't really have to go to Bruno for that spark because they might have been looking for it. Um, Vince Carter had a pretty quiet night, but did make a couple of threes. Ended up being big shots. Six points for Vince in 12 minutes. He was plus 12 as a result of that. Also, also had a steal and a block. Rebounding has still been a question mark for Vince, but he's been playing. Uh, he played a little bit better in this game than he had been in recent days. Evan Turner, I thought, was very good. Um, eight points, five assists for Turner. No, sorry, eight assists, five. Eight points, five assists. I can't speak right now. And no turnovers for Evan Turner. 3-5 from the floor, 2 of 2 from the free throw line. I think that uh, Evan played, again, very, very well. Defensively, he had some nice moments as well. I think he's been playing pretty well in general, but a plus 32, a little bit misleading there in the fact that he was <laughs> by far, in a way, the best plus-minus guy for the Hawks in this game, but still, I thought he played well, and that is worth crediting. Ty Wallace, 11 minutes of play. He was in the rotation as the backup, as the backup point guard of sorts in this spot. Did not attempt a shot, but then a steal and an assist. That's probably the best way for him to operate, honestly, unless he's getting into the rim. The jump shot is kind of non-existent, but he played good defense, I thought, in this game and I just gave them at least competent minutes behind Trey Young. And then off the bench, the two guys that were the most prominent, I thought, were Alex Len and Cam Reddish. Um, Len had 17 minutes of play, 11 points, 4 rebounds, and 2 steals. I thought he was pretty active and good, especially defensively. Lloyd Pierce got asked about Len before the game and kind of referenced the fact that, you know, Len's more comfortable and they want him um, right now kind of focusing around the rim a little bit more. He's been more aggressive in that spot. I noticed that he was more in the Decker spot offensively in this game, kind of just being being aggressive, being huge, taking, taking advantage of his size. The jump shot is not there right now, and Pierce sort of acknowledged that pregame. Obviously, shot the ball really well at the end of last year. That's not really been there this year at all, so they've kind of been stressing to him to be working on the interior as a result of that, and we saw that come through in this game. I thought he, I thought he played well, and uh, you know, Damian Jones was good in this game, but I still think that, that Len is the best center that the Hawks have available, and that kind of shown through here in his 17 minutes of play. Cam Reddish um, offensively was kind of a struggle. 3 of 10 from the floor, 1 of 5 from 3, 8 points, um, and an assist for Cam, two turnovers, but I do want to say, defensively, I thought Cam was awesome in this game. Um, he had uh, a steal and a block, which isn't everything, but I thought he was in the passing lanes. He was just using his length and activity very, very well. This is a game where you know the, the Warriors did not have a lot of shooting on the floor, and I think he sensed that. I think everybody sensed that, but I, I really was impressed with the way that Cam defended. I've been talking about how, how his defense has been very solid for a rookie. I think that tonight was even better than that. I think he was one of the best defenders on the team in this, in this spot, if not the best. And it was good to see him play well, um, especially off coming off of the injury, just kind of flying around using his length and havoc in the way that he can be as a, as a help side defender. Um, I think he's underrated uh, nationally for his, for his defense, and I thought that really shined through here. I thought he played very, very well defensively, even if the offensive game is still very, very spotty at times, just to be kind. Um, to the starters in this game, um, not a ton happening for DeAndre Bembry in this spot. He was more low-key, but still had three steals, a block, two assists, eight rebounds. He kind of stuffs the box score in that way. Only took five shots. That's probably the best way for him to operate, honestly. It was one or two from three. He took a very nice, confident three and knocked it down on a, on a catch and shoot, which was good to see from DeAndre. He's got he's to let those fly when he's given the opportunity. But uh, a little bit more of an understated game. Still did a lot of things well and also had a couple of uh, out-of-control moments as he was wont to do. But I thought he played fairly well in this game. 
Jabari Parker did not have it offensively. He was 4 for 15 from the floor, 0 of 4 from 3. Didn't really uh, get anything going there, but I thought he gave good effort defensively for the most part. Two steals and a block for him as well, plus 15 in 28 minutes. Uh, that was not all, all him by any stretch, but I thought he was uh, pretty decent by his standards defensively, giving good effort and uh, just kind of just being in the way and being active. Um, DeAndre Hunter had a great game, I thought. 18 points for him, 6 of 14 from the floor, 2 of 6 from 3, and 4 for 4 from the free throw line. Four rebounds and assists and a steal for DeAndre. Um, wasn't like he was just absolutely fantastic, but with, with the way that he struggled for most of the game on Saturday, it was good to see him bounce back. I know he had a little bit of a strong fourth quarter in Houston when the game was absolutely over, but back to see him uh, going going well in this game, that was definitely good to see on his part. Damian Jones, as I said before, played very well in this game, a career-high 16 points for Damian, eight rebounds to match a career-high as well in 26 minutes. I thought Damian... Um, was good. He, his previous career high was 14 against Phoenix earlier this year. He was, he was he was very active around the rim. Pierce credited his defense, and I thought that was a, something that I think was accurate. I, I've been critical of his defense and his rebounding so far this year, but I think he was pretty good on both on both um, spots in this game. He had four offensive rebounds, but also four defensive. That's much much better than he's been in the recent past, and was plus 11 in 26 minutes. And then lastly, Trey Young, um, as is always, he was the offensive engine in this spot. Kind of an understated game in some respects for Trey. Did have seven turnovers, which is worth pointing out, but still 24 points, seven assists in 34 minutes. Kind of just a rock-solid game across the board for him offensively. Defensively, he gave, he gave pretty good effort in this spot, I thought. 10 of 19 from the floor. Two of six from three, two of two from the free throw line for Trey. So nothing, you know, overly fantastic from Young, but still, yeah, the guy who runs everything offensively, and he was efficient for the most part. And uh, just a just a nice solid across the board game for Trey Young in a uh, sort of a caretaking effort, but still 24 points, nothing to sneeze at. And uh, you know, there you go with Trey Young. Um, so again, big picture here, the Hawks had to win this game. Um, realistically, this is the best possible place for them to get a win after this 10-game losing streak um, comes to an end here. Of course, the Hawks could have gotten at least one or two, maybe even three of those 10 games. They were in the game until late. There were, of course, a couple of uh, big-picture blowouts as well. But still, the Hawks could have won a game or two in that stretch. But come come back here playing a team that was clearly gassed and clearly shorthanded and kind of bad throughout the game. The Hawks took care of business. They got a win. And then Wednesday, things start over again because Brooklyn um, comes into State Farm Arena on Wednesday night. The Nets are not um, incredible for, from a talent standpoint without Kyrie Irving and Karis LeVert in the recent, in recent past, but they've actually been playing quite well. So the Hawks will be underdogs, I would imagine, in that game at home. It's definitely a bigger challenge than tonight was. There's not really the advantages on paper that they had against the Warriors, but it's probably more of a true test to see where the Hawks actually are. Pierce was happy with their spirit. We'll see if that carries over to Wednesday. They'll have a practice on Tuesday and still be pretty fresh when they play the Nets on Wednesday. So we will circle that one as a nice little test to see where the Hawks are. And then after that game, they have three full days off before they go to Charlotte on Sunday. So also, we'll keep an eye on Kevin Herter. This week, he actually was uh, playing three-on-three, three, according to Sarah Spencer, who was at um, the Hawks shoot-around on Monday morning. So we'll see if that progresses. I guess, in theory, he could be back by the timeline that the Hawks put forth on Wednesday. I would guess not at this point in time. That, that is a guess based on what he's been. He's not been playing five-on-five five yet, so usually you want, you're going to want to see him play more than more than once a five-on-five. But I'll circle that one, put a pin in it, and maybe he can come, come back on Sunday. Anyway, we will come back to that later on. But um, if nothing else, I will come back with a new podcast on Wednesday after the game. I do have a plan in the works. Hopefully it's going to come through to have a podcast for you before that. I have a guest lined up and I don't want to, I don't want to tease it too much because uh, sometimes things happen and schedules change, but if it's a national guest, that would be the uh, way I would tease it. No one that's uh, a frequent guest on the program, so we'll just go with that for now. But uh, there you go. That's my tease for today. Hopefully it comes through, and if not, at the very least, I will come back from this exact same spot on Wednesday night with more from Hawks Nets. Please subscribe. Please tell a friend about the show, and hopefully it will be more, more games like this instead of Saturday. <laughs> and 
And uh, thank you again for listening. Stay tuned, and we'll see you guys at the very, very latest on Wednesday.